With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to today's edition of Reflection on the Word with Richard Kay. I'm Chuck Christie, and today we are asking you to spend a few moments of your time with us each day as Richard shares from God's Word with notes, quotes, and stories, along with some of his own personal experiences, to confirm for you God's great love for us, that his compassion for us never fails, and that he has a great faithfulness toward us in every regard. Now, if you miss a portion of today's broadcast or would like to recommend it to a friend, You can hear this program anytime online at talknetworkradio.com. Well, now here's Richard with today's reflection. Let's take a minute to describe a few things as we have continued in our study of the Book of Romans. We have covered in the first two chapters some very important areas that we want to be able to summarize. First, Paul is making a reference to a lifestyle, a lifestyle that is one changed by God because of the good news that Jesus Christ paid the price for our sin. And we, by faith, receive forgiveness of our sins when we receive him as Lord of our life. We are not able to save ourselves. And so we find that this is the message that is undergirding the entire written aspect of the letter to the book of Romans. In this particular position, Paul is making a very sound statement. He's saying that Regardless of whether or not you have done good things or whether or not you have become known for these things, you are just as much a sinner as the person who has done all types of evil. The question is not that our actions 
bring us before position of righteousness. The question is that God's action actually brings about our ability to become righteous before God. And so in the first chapter, we talked about those who practice idolatry and they have completely moved away from being able to give gratitude to God. They know that God exists. It's been revealed to them through the creation, and yet they do not give verbal or practicing accent to his being Lord of their own lives. They want to continue to use their own methods to achieve whatever they feel is their God that they worship. And so in the first chapter, we found that there was a very strong distinction. Those that would continue to practice evil and continue to do things that were as a result of that, God actually allowed them to be transferred over into a mind that was completely and totally against him. They are able to continue in their practices of ungodliness. And because he does this, they are subject to their own cravings, which is what they desire. They want to have unnatural relations, men with men, women with women, these things we discussed in an earlier segment. But after that, he expands the effort to show the sin and depravity of man. He is not just saying that because you do certain things, you're going to be given over to this particular craving in your body. He's saying that if you continue in unrighteousness, you are going to be judged for the unrighteousness of your life. And you will be able to do all manner of evil. All of these things are a part of unrighteousness. There are evil deeds, evil thoughts, and evil words. All of those things translate to unrighteousness. And then it's enumerated. Envy, murder, quarrels, deceit, malice evil, greed, wickedness, all of those are just parts of the characteristics of unrighteousness. And so it continues to become worse and worse and worse. But in the second chapter of Paul's letter to the church in Rome, he is essentially addressing how judgment will come regardless of whether the people have been brought up under the law or whether the people have been brought up without the law. He's not saying that there is any benefit to one versus the other. He is saying that there is no favoritism with God. He makes the gospel available to all. He's not giving any excuse for any person to perish. They've been given the opportunity, regardless of whether they were schooled in the religious teachings of the law or whether they were not schooled 
in the religious teachings of the law. He is drawing the line here. And he's saying that you are not going to be righteous before God because you keep the law. You are going to be righteous before God because the law will bring you to a point of realizing you're a sinner. And because you realize that, you want to repent of your sin and you want to receive God's forgiveness, but you don't want to receive forgiveness in just some practice. You want to receive forgiveness that comes from receiving God's only son. Jesus, the Messiah. And so if you're a practicing Jew and you try the best you can to keep the letter of the law, you will fall short. Not only will you fall short, but you will also probably teach others, meaning they should keep the law, but you don't keep it yourself. Because of that particular position, you are regarded in the same way as the one who is not even schooled in the law. He goes deeply into this topic. Then he goes further into the outward signs of circumcision, meaning the circumcision of the flesh, which was performed religiously by practicing Jews. That was a separation point where they were supposed to be committed to God. This separation point of the circumcision of the flesh did not give them righteousness, but those who were uncircumcised could receive the righteousness of God by actually coming to know the Messiah that the Jewish people would have told them about. And so, they're using a reference here that there is a difference between the outward sign of circumcision and the circumcision of the heart. And that is where we left our last segment, that there is a definition that a practicing Jew is not a Jew because of the outward sign of circumcision but because of the inward circumcision of the heart. As we continue in the third chapter of the book of Romans, we find that now Paul is addressing the reason that it is beneficial for some to have actually been brought up under the law. So let's read the third chapter, beginning with the first verse. So what advantage does the Jew have? Or what is the benefit of circumcision? Considerable in every way. First, they were entrusted with the spoken words of God. What then, if some did not believe, will their unbelief cancel God's faithfulness? Absolutely not. God must be true, even if everyone is a liar. As it is written, that you may be justified in your words and triumph when you judge. 
But if our unrighteousness highlights God's righteousness, what are we to say? I use a human argument. Is God unrighteous to inflict wrath? Absolutely not. Otherwise, how will God judge the world? But if by my lie, God's truth is amplified to his glory, why am I also still judged as a sinner? And why not say, just as some people slanderously claim, we say, let us do what is evil so that good may come. Their condemnation is deserved. Do you remember in that statement, the Apostle Paul is quoting the writings in Psalms, where he is saying that you may be justified in your words and triumph when you judge. That is taken from the book of Psalms, chapter 10 and verse 7. Here we see that he is now showing that because you were called a Jew, because you were born into the Jewish family, you were schooled under the law. You had the ability to understand the word of God, and yet you may not have lived it or taught it. So he is saying just because some that were entrusted with the spoken words of God, just because they didn't believe, does that mean that their unbelief cancels the faithfulness of God? And he says, absolutely not. God must be true, even if everyone else is a liar. Richard will be right back in a moment to wrap up. But if you just joined us, you've been listening to Reflections on the Word with Richard Kay. You can hear this message in its entirety again online, as well as Richard's entire archive at talknetworkradio.com. We would like to acknowledge our theme song, How Great Is Thy Faithfulness, from the America's 25 Favorite Hymns album. Unless otherwise expressed, scriptures are read from the Holman Christian Standard Bible, which is published by Holman Bible Publishers in Nashville, Tennessee. Additional resources used for Reflections on the Word with Richard Kay include Great is Thy Faithfulness by Our Daily Bread and printed by Discovery House Publishers. Again, here is Richard to wrap up today's message. And so here we find that there is a line that is being drawn in that the Jewish people were given the opportunity chosen, if you will, to give the law, but the words of God transferred to others to draw them to repentance, just as it should have drawn those practicing of the Jewish faith into the same repentance. Because without repentance, there's no way that we would come to a change of our sinful state. People say today that there are ways that we can come through a method 
In other words, we can try to do certain things that will make us more righteous before God. But God's word shows that we will be judged by our own words. We will be judged because of what we say. And those statements can become actions. As they become actions, they will fulfill their purpose. If they lead us to repentance and we come to Almighty God in asking to be forgiven and we receive his payment for our sin, we then can become justified by faith. We become justified. Do you know there's a a meaning of justified, and it means just as if we had never sinned. I'm not telling you that we didn't sin. No, we are all guilty of sin. As you're going to see as we continue reading in the third chapter of the book of Romans, we need to be able to understand there is unrighteousness and there is righteousness. But how do we become righteous before God? We are going to find out that regardless of whether you are schooled in the law or whether you are not, your righteousness is not going to come because of something you do. It is not going to come because of a means of your learning. What is going to happen in order for us to realize and receive salvation is that we recognize we're a sinner. This is the complete line that is being drawn as we continue reading in the book of Romans, the third chapter. And we will continue in the next segment where we will describe how righteousness and unrighteousness are portrayed and where we see how we stand guilty before God. And that is today's Reflection on the Word. Thank you, Richard. Join us again tomorrow when we continue with the next edition of Reflections on the Word with Richard K. For Richard and the entire team, this is Chuck Christie saying thanks for listening to this edition of Reflections on the Word. Yeah.